Welcome to Empowered Thinking at Play. I'm Kim Nelson, writer, meditation teacher, confidence coach, and someone with a very curious mind. I'm here talking to guests and exploring what makes them feel empowered, how they've created a stronger mindset, and their interpretation of what empowerment really is. My guest on this episode is Agni Larson. She is a Chinese medicine practitioner and acupuncturist. We met 17 years ago when we both trained to be yoga teachers. She talks about how she's empowered herself, the techniques she uses to understand herself better, and how this year has been a time for stepping into her gifts like never before. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm all right. Have you just woken? Oh, no. I've been awake for a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. And uh, how are things in Canada? Things are interesting, I'll say. I mean, I'm good, but I think it's been a pretty wild year for everybody, for sure. Yeah. And are you going into a lockdown no, where you are? No, not currently. And I'm hoping that won't be the case. I mean, we'll see after Christmas, but as of now, no. <laughs> Okay, that's good. And yes. how has business been affected um, by well, this? It's not bad, to be honest. Um, at the start of COVID in March, I had two months off um, and we closed down our clinics. But now it's been busy since then, I would say. I think a lot of people are coming in for mental health, um, stress, anxiety relief. So yeah, I think it's an important service. <laughs> Do you think people are being drawn more towards Chinese medicine now? I think, you know, it's a little bit hard to say because here in Victoria, there's a little bit of a pocket on the West Coast. And I think most people that live here are more health conscious and, um, you know, into preventative health and things like Chinese medicine. But... Yeah, I have had a lot of new clients this year that are interested in, you know, trying something new to help them with stress and not really knowing where to turn. Ah, and is it um, a lot of people wanting something to do do with stress or what are the main things that they come to you oh, with? All kinds of things. Everything from back pain to allergies, digestive issues, stress, anxiety, um, trauma in their past, and then all kinds of, you know, chronic degenerative conditions, autoimmune conditions. Um, also cosmetic acupuncture. I have additional training in um, facial rejuvenation acupuncture. So I get a lot of those type of clients as well. Ah, and uh, I've been thinking a lot about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is the year of vulnerability mm -hmm. and I've seen people become more real this year. Have you seen evidence of that? I would say yes. I feel like when we give ourselves permission to be vulnerable with somebody else, often that allows them the space to open up in the same way and you know, I think with this whole situation and being locked down or just being so isolated, um, forcing people to be more in touch with where they're at and who they are. And, you know, that isn't always 
something that a lot of people are used to doing. So I feel like it's almost forced vulnerability in a way. And when I see clients, it's always a safe space for them to share. So they do tell me a lot about those kind of things. That's nice. And how has this year affected you? I mean, have you seen changes within yourself? Absolutely. I think that I've learned um, an equal amount of introvert and extrovert. Uh, So while my introverted side is thriving in this increasingly reclusive lifestyle, um, we've had to embrace in the midst of COVID, extroverted part of me definitely is craving connection, gathering in the form of group energy and intimacy. I miss hosting potlucks and dance parties at my house. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely miss travel. And, you know, that feeling you get when you're thrown into a fresh perspective, stepping out of your comfort zone that comes from navigating a new country. Um, I've also just thought about how I'm able to manifest my goals when I put my mind to it. So this has been a really good year for self-reflection, checking in with ourselves and where we're at. And for me, um, the start of the year, I manifested a couple goals that I've been thinking about since um, 2019, July, when I did a yoga teacher training in Peru. So I started uh, supervising clinics at the local Chinese medicine college in town here. So supervising the students. And then I also started teaching yoga classes in a studio downtown, which is on pause right now, but we're doing live stream classes. So that's been interesting as well. Ah, yeah, because, um, you know, we trained as yoga teachers together. Yes. And then you kind of went on a different path of more Chinese medicine, uh, acupuncture. Have you found you've been sort of drawn back towards the yoga world and teaching I would say yes and it's always been in my periphery I mean I love teaching yoga there's nothing like it and I think they're complementary to each other because not everybody's going to come to yoga class but everybody will have some kind of health issue Um, and yes I think that yoga was so much my focus in my 20s and now that I'm mid-30s, it's been nice to have some more tools in the toolbox with Chinese medicine. Um, but it feels so good to go back and just teach, you know, a class a week is what I'm doing now. But it just feels like I'm, I'm doing something for my soul. <laughs> so you're very much into a sort of uh, giving environment. You're always giving. And it sounds to me that you're always empowering other people does it feel like that to you I think so and I think that is honestly what makes me feel good Um, you know feeling capable and confident and feeling like I have something to offer and just sharing my gifts I've been building a lot of gifts for I guess yeah the first you know couple decades of my life and it feels like necessary and also the best thing to just um, give back in a way and just to feel like you know the things I have are helping people in some way as well. And how have you empowered yourself? Mm. 
That's a good one. Uh, I would say knowing myself um, and through this knowledge, understanding my place in the universe. So basically one of the goals of yoga, uh, cultivating my passions and strengths with joy and self-discipline, and then having the motivation and experiencing the delight of sharing my gifts with others. And I think for me, this has mostly been in the form of teaching yoga, teaching students about Chinese medicine, loving myself and feeling worthy, as well as a lot of travel, which opened my eyes to different ways to be a human in the world and different focuses, including people's relationship to their own spirituality and personal growth. Mm, you know, listening to you, there's a calmness about you. It's like somebody who is very sure of themselves and very sure on where they're going in life. Do you feel that? I feel I do. I feel like it's funny. My husband always tells me that too, actually. But I feel like I have done a lot of checking in with myself and I do know who I am and what I want. <laughs> and what is your definition of empowerment? Oh, I think feeling able, capable, confident, equipped with the tools to live the life that you love, to be who you want to be, to feel strong in your self-convictions and to have a deep inner knowing of who you truly are. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and when did you last feel you had a new lease on life? Now, this expression, a new lease of, on life, I often have to explain it to people who aren't from England. I think I didn't realize it, English saying, I think. I think, yeah, I haven't heard that one too much. Yeah, so a new lease on life is when you suddenly feel like you're alive. Something makes you feel more alive. This year, I would say. <laughs> I feel like I've been stepping into my gifts like never before this year. Um, like I mentioned, embracing teaching yoga and Chinese medicine students and sharing what I find of highest value to myself with others and lately also in my personal life. So my husband and I have opened up to each other more. We've had more time to spend together this year because of having some time off. Um, we've shared some secrets that we never thought we um would tell each other and that was actually a little bit traumatizing but it also brought us closer together uh, to a better understanding of ourselves and each other and yeah I feel like it's good to be tossed into times of turbulence like this because it forces us or at least it has forced me to confront parts of myself I might otherwise wish to keep hidden and I also feel like Hmm, a new lease in life. Other than this year, I would say July 2019, which is when I traveled solo for a month to Peru before all of this began. And I went there for an advanced yoga teacher training course that was basically a personal retreat. And it was pretty revelational for me. And it was the longest that my husband and I have ever spent apart. And it also helped me come back to a sense of myself. Um, you know, without another and to just do some more of this work, this checking in and meditating and 
you know, assessing where I am in life and who I am and <laughs> what the purpose of all of this is. Yeah. <laughs> do you do any journaling or writing? My husband and I have a journal that we write back and forth into each other and that can be sometimes weekly sometimes monthly sometimes we take longer breaks I also like to write you know I haven't written in a personal journal for a while just to myself but I do like to write um, poetry if I have the chance so uh, poetry and short I like to write short songs that I play on guitar and I can only play chords nothing fancy but I like to do that when I have free time <laughs> mm, I like that. So tell me how you came into uh, Chinese medicine. Oh my goodness. What brought you there? Well, I, uh, I was introduced to it as a child. So growing up in the middle of Canada, in the prairies, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, my dad is Chinese and my mom is British. So my mom actually worked for an acupuncturist as his receptionist in Saskatchewan. And so as a kid, she would take us to go and get acupuncture. Um, so I think I had acupuncture when I was six years old. And that was, you know, just something that my parents were on board with and supported, something that I grew up around and it was pretty normalized. But I never thought that I would, you know, take it up as a profession until I lived in Nepal between the years 2008 to 2011. So I actually, one of my roommates there was a Chinese medicine practitioner and acupuncturist from California. And yeah, just, you know, living together, we would trade, I would teach him a private yoga class. He would give me an acupuncture treatment and I just got more into it. And then afterwards, I actually lived in Israel for a couple years and I was surprised to learn that Chinese medicine is very, very popular there. There's a school where you can study it in Hebrew, and I met a couple acupuncturists there as well, and they definitely influenced me, and I started to get just more curious about it, seeing the benefits of the medicine in my own body and mind, and I started to research schools where I could study it in Canada, and I ended up going to Nelson, BC to start studying in 2013 and I did two years at the school there and then two or sorry another year in a school in Vancouver and then I finished my um, five-year program so another two years here in Victoria at Pacific Rim College to um, finish my doctorate of traditional Chinese medicine so that was it's been quite a journey <laughs> Wow, I didn't even know that children could get acupuncture. What sort of things were you having um, acupuncture so for? When I think about acupuncture, you know, it is a medicine you can go to when you have an injury, say, you know, like a sprained ankle or something like that. But it is also very much so a preventative medicine. So I remember getting acupuncture as a kid for boosting my immunity, like coming into autumn before the winter season. So um, the idea being to prevent catching common colds and flus and things like that. And I remember as a teenager, I had a few digestive issues. So treating that, I remember my practitioner was also into boosting my kidney energy. We call it kidney yang, like the warming energy of the body, because I was one of those people that always had poor circulation. It was always cold. So yeah, just very fine tuned little things like that. You've always 
been in an environment where you've self-healed, does that mean that you you don't need to go to the medical profession and it's no, something that you steer away a, from? I, Unless no, really I would say that um, I think that they're complementary, 100%. And my sister is a Western medical doctor. So we have a lot of good conversations about this. You know, I do see Western medicine for myself as being something more emergency medicine, which is absolutely necessary. And I do see Chinese medicine as being more on the side of preventative. But, you know, there's crossover between those two. And I think people can absolutely do both. And, you know, whatever, there's so many ways to treat whatever is going on in different types of therapies. And I definitely, um, you know, I've gone to the hospital. I've gone to a doctor when I need to. And I would advise anybody to do the same. But it is, it's also interesting to explore other options. And I guess maybe compared to the average North American, I probably do a little less of that because I don't really take, you know, like over-the-counter medications too much. I'll take Chinese herbs all the time for pain or for, um, you know, any kind of cold or, yeah, whatever's going on, digestive issues, things like that too. So, yeah, probably a little bit less (laughs) than the average. For example, if I felt like a sore throat coming on or something like that, they're really good herbs for clearing heat from the throat and... Uh, there's one formula called yin chao san. It's a famous formula that if you catch the sore throat, like right when you start feeling it, um, you take those pills and usually it'll be gone the next day so it won't get worse and become like you know, a cold you're going to have for two weeks. Or I would do cupping therapy on my back to open up um, the tightness in the back if I'm starting to feel like, you know, muscle tension, cold coming on. Or if I'm just overworking or something like that, I'll probably go for acupuncture. It's very relaxing and there are points you can do to boost your energy levels and your immunity. Um, yeah, there's, I guess there's different types of feeling rundown. If I'm feeling um, stressed, like acupuncture can definitely help with that as well. Uh, yeah, like I do, I mean, at home, I do take a lot of Chinese herbal medicine and I do eat um, and tailor my diet towards you know Chinese medicine principles quite a bit so that would mean it's similar to Ayurveda actually we eat a lot of warming foods so I think you know in Ayurveda we always talk about Agni like digestive fire which is um, something that helps us to transform any nutrients we take in into a warm soup and this is you know how the body is easily nourished so if your diet is already like that like say you're eating a lot of warming soups and stews then that's easier to digest and the body has to do less work so i would say i do that quite a bit as well Mm, and what is Mm. cupping therapy i've seen it yes but i don't know too much about it the red or the purple circles on people's backs and things like that um so cupping therapy it is a practice that's been used in Chinese medicine as an adjunct to acupuncture for thousands of years as well. So we can use either glass or silicone cups. Um, with the glass cups, we use usually cotton swab and hemostats, and we use 99% alcohol and light that on fire and then um, swivel that around in the cup to create a vacuum in the cup and then that will allow the cup to suction onto somebody's body. So the reason we would do this is it's basically a myofascial release. So say somebody has really, really chronic 
stubborn muscle tension. And massage feels good when you're pushing down on those tight bands, those tight muscles. But, you know, afterwards, I don't know if the, the bands actually release that much. They might a little bit, but maybe, you know, if it's really stubborn, it just almost feels like you're pushing down on a wall and nothing really changes. So with cupping, it's almost like a reverse massage. The suction you're pulling up instead of pushing down on those tight muscle bands and you're just encouraging the fibers to um, release by themselves and to let go and so when you get it it actually feels like your muscles are relaxing it's the best feeling and i think it's so popular because it's really effective and it feels so good like it feels you know if you if you have any type of tension i think you would like it because yeah it's addictive that feeling where you're like oh it's it's loose now it's not tight anymore <laughs> And how long does it take for those yeah, so circles to go away? Anywhere between three days. I would say the max would be two weeks, but that's rare. I'd say they usually fade within a week. Um, and they're not bruises. So, yeah, they shouldn't hurt or anything like that. It'll just be like a little bit of a temporary tattoo for you to have. And have you had any sort of challenges um, which you've had to learn from anything in your like career or your personal life? Is there a challenge that just comes to your mind hmm. that you've overcome? Yes. Um, yeah, I think that definitely uh, learning to release negative patterns of self-destructive thought and talk and to embrace self-love, uh, nurture who I really am beyond, you know, who I think I am. So this is pretty yogic, but Absolutely. I think a lot of us struggle with self-love. Um, and for years, I, I did. I didn't feel good enough. I felt low self-worth and I felt like my worth was only defined um, by people that loved me or praised me. Um, you know, I think also being a woman, it's interesting because we're fed a lot of messages Perhaps we're only as good enough as we are desirable and all of this you know, BS in a way. But now I embrace freedom and strength and feel like I've you know, really done some work with that and reclaimed my power. And definitely through yoga and meditation, through self-reflection. And yeah, my current partner has also helped a lot with all of that. And is yeah, he in the well-being industry? practitioner as well. We met in Chinese medicine school. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Ah, okay. And um, so do you often talk about work then? It or I is. guess is it, it's um, part of your life, so isn't it? It's not do. really work. And I like it because I feel like it would be hard to relate actually at this point to somebody that, I don't know, you know, if I said the name of a formula, like Long Dan Shagantang, he would immediately know what I'm talking about. And then it clears, you know, liver gallbladder heat from a Chinese medicine perspective to help with insomnia or digestion. Yeah, we do, you know, sometimes it has been a challenge to shut it off. We've had moments, like really funny moments where you're lying in bed, just about to fall asleep. And then I'll, I'll ask him, you know, oh, it's the last hurt in that formula that has like 14 herbs in it. I'm really tired, but <laughs> I mean, it's funny too, because when you're in this field, you talk a lot about, 
you know, spotily functions, which seems completely normalized. But yeah, sometimes you have to shut off the discussing bowel movements around, you know, extended family members over the dinner table or <laughs> just little things like that. But I, I love it, though. Oh. And um, do you have any sort of teachers that have inspired yes. you? Um, I... I studied in Nepal for four years at Kathmandu University, um, Buddhist studies. And so that actually involved going to a Tibetan Buddhist monastery every day and taking classes there. And the main Rinpoche there is named Chojini Rinpoche. So I take a lot of inspiration from him and he has some really good books as well. And in general, I'm really drawn to Tibetan Buddhism. So I love the Dalai Lama. I love... Um, Another teacher, Chogyam Trimpa, he's the founder of Shambhala and of Narupa. So I, I gravitate towards that. Um, but, oh, absolutely, like all the yoga teachers I've met, all the teachers I've done trainings with. Um, oh, yeah, there's, there's a, a large amount that comes to mind, I would say. Hmm. And have I you done have a Vipassana retreat? In yeah, in Dharamsala in 2006. So at the start of my yoga journey early on. Great. And how was that experience? Um, you know, it's difficult because you focus on so long for so many hours in the day, but I love meditation retreats and, you know, I love to do more like I aim to do at least one a year it doesn't have to be Vipassana but even like a weekend meditation retreat or something like that because I feel like it's just that opportunity to drop back down into you know connecting to yourself without all the distractions of this crazy digital world um, my favorite meditation retreat that I've done actually was also in Dharamsala and it was right next to the Vipassana meditation retreat but it was actually a center called Tushita, which is a Tibetan Buddhist center. And I did a 10 day retreat there as well. And it was an introduction to Tibetan Buddhism. And that was also in 2006. And that really um, inspired me uh, to delve deeper and to study Tibetan Buddhism eventually in Nepal. Is that the year where you discovered more about yourself? It sounds like you did quite a lot of meditation and, and exploring and discovery. I think it's been a constantly unfolding process that is still happening. <laughs> So, yeah, I think from, you know, childhood even, I remember asking my mom when I was 11, you know, like, why, why did you make me? Why am I here? <laughs> so I think that that kind of journey started oh. young and I got into yoga when I was 18 in Vancouver and did yoga teacher training with you. That was 2005 in the UK and then traveled a lot, like traveled around Europe for a while after that for eight months and then I was in India for six months and then Shanghai for a year teaching yoga so I feel like it's been constantly <laughs> evolving <laughs> it still is no matter where we are yeah and I remember we um we were texting because you wanted mm. you said um about compassion mm. you want to talk about compassion it's something that you um yes. had learned more about this year a life lesson on feel, compassion oh my gosh so in tibetan buddhism they often talk about the practice being the marriage of uh compassion and wisdom 
and compassion is uh, it's categorized as one of the four immeasurables. So um, the four immeasurables are equanimity, love, compassion, and joy. And basically this is something that you're supposed to always practice. So equanimity being um, wishing that all beings are free from attitudes of attachment and aversion, and then love being the wish that all beings may have happiness in its causes. And then compassion, Mingjie, we call it in Tibetan, is the wish that living beings be free from suffering and its causes. And then joy is the wish that uh, living beings remain happy and their happiness can further and further increase. So when we talk about compassion, I think it's just been a big one for me just to realize that, you know, to get out of myself and to think about other beings and to think about them wishing that they be free from suffering and its causes. So I feel like it's been such an important teaching because so often, of course, we're self-centered because we're just, you know, in this body with our mind, having our own experience in our heads all day. And yeah, I think with practices like you know, Tibetan Buddhism, like learning about it or things like yoga. Um, it's really nice because it, you start to feel that interconnectedness with others and Ningje, the term compassion in Tibetan, has a, like a wide range of meaning. So it can mean, I don't know, like in English, we might say love, affection, kindness, generosity of spirit and warm heartedness. Um, when we are compassionate towards others, it doesn't mean that we're pitying them, but it means that we feel connected to them. And I think that it's a combination of empathy and also reason. Um, like reason being something that is practical and intelligent and wise, and then also um, empathy being warm-heartedness. Mm -hmm. Nice. And do you have any favorite affirmations or words you say to yourself? To yes, definitely. Um, so I would say that something I always say in yoga classes, sometimes at the end of the class or sometimes during the class, I'll say it to myself too. Um, so I would say, there's nowhere to go, nowhere to be, nothing to do or achieve except to be present here with your breath. And I also really love the mantra, I'm sure you know, Loka Samasta Suki no Bhavantu, when I'm stressed. Um, or when I feel like in a place of, <laughs> sounds silly, but when I felt for a moment where you're almost in touch with your own mortality, so you feel like you're going to die when you're, you know, on a turbulent airplane or something like that. So I'll start with just kind of repeating that mantra to myself. Um, and that mantra means, may all beings everywhere be happy and free, and may I in some way contribute to this happiness and freedom. I've been, this mm. year, I've been doing some mirror work on myself, you know, like facing the mirror and saying affirmations to myself. Do you do anything like that? I created that when I was in Israel, and I was struggling a little bit more with self-worth. Um, I haven't done it recently, but I totally have done that. Um, where you like, you know, because... Like it's common in our culture to do the opposite. You know, you look in the mirror and you'll think something negative or critical about yourself. And so 
I think what you're saying is you go to the mirror and say, you are beautiful. And I definitely have done like that kind of thing before. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's so effective, isn't it? <laughs> and um, can you yes. talk about any life-changing books or oh any books that you just um, have you want read to tell Shantaram people about? by Gregory David Roberts? Oh, my gosh. It's an amazing book about India and um, one Australian man's story about how he lived in the slums, almost worked as a doctor in the slums, was in prison in India, was making passports illegally, and just this whole like underground current of what that was like. Um, yeah, I also really like, speaking of India, there's a book called A Fine Balance by Rohinton Mystery. It is... You know, be prepared to feel a little bit of heart jerking. It is sad, a sad story, but it also is about poverty in India and about growing up in the slums and how that plays out and all the different castes. But in terms of inspiring books, I would say my top, almost my number one is The Way of the Bodhisattva, and that is by Shanti Deva. And it's a Buddhist text um, that, you know, it's a short text that you can read. It's sometimes you can find versions that have the verse explained and, you know, teachers will elaborate more and elucidate the meaning behind the verse. Um, but yeah, it's all about self-actualization. So I would say that, that that has inspired me a lot. I also really like... Um, the book in the realm of hungry ghosts close encounters with addiction and that is by Gabor Mate and he is a local guy from Vancouver um, right near me across the water here and he um, is a doctor who has worked with um, high-risk populations dealing with opiate addictions on the lower downtown east side of Vancouver so you know like a lot of heroin addiction and things like that and he just delves right into the realm of addiction and, um, you know, like breaking through and how to, how to meet people there and how to help them and how to um, even use like plant medicine and um, different types of spiritual practices to help get people back to, you know, a sense of empowerment. All right, I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. And so just okay. say what's off the top of your head. Okay, here goes. If you could learn one new skill, oh, what would it be? Um, maybe playing the violin. What famous person would you like to meet? Um, probably the Dalai Lama. <laughs> what would be the title of your autobiography? So funny. Um, I actually have written a little bit of a travel memoir, and it's called Hint of a Dandelion. It's not published. Oh. But... <laughs> Um, any women you think sum up empowerment? Um, yes, Pema Children. She's a Tibetan Buddhist teacher. Hmm. If you have any scars, what's your best scar story? As in physical or like figurative scars? <laughs> okay. You can choose. Um, well, I do have a physical scar on my wrist from a cat and it was from my pet cat when I was six years old and I tried to shove his head through my sister's crib 
and it wasn't big enough. And so he scratched me all over my arms and there's still one left. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, we are all in the process of becoming. What do you feel you are becoming? I feel like I'm slowly peeling back the layers of this onion. It's an expression we like to use in yoga a lot. And, you know, instead of trying to improve myself, because I feel like trying to improve is almost saying like you're not good enough now. And I feel like we're so conditioned to that from capitalism. Instead, I'm trying to just explore who I am and to be present with that. Yeah, I love that. What are your plans for next year? Oh what, are you, um, <laughs> well, what are you manifesting? You know, if things continue the way they are, you know, travel restrictions are in place. I'm planning to stay here in Victoria and to keep teaching at this Chinese medicine school, keep practicing Chinese medicine here, keep doing yoga. I actually, I'm looking for a camper van, so I would like to buy a van. And if it's possible, I'd like to do a cross-country, really long road trip all the way to Newfoundland, so across Canada. Yes. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Nice plan. And where can people yes, find you so if you want I'm to be found? In Victoria, BC, and I currently practice Chinese medicine out of my home-based clinic. It's called Twin Cedars Holistic Health. And, yes, and your social is media is my Instagram account you can follow and also Twin Cedars Holistic Health. Great. It's been absolutely a joy speaking with you. It's uh, nearly seven o'clock in the evening here. Correct. I guess it's it nearly is. ten. <laughs> Friday morning. Um, absolutely. Do you drink coffee? Uh, I do, do okay. sometimes. My husband loves yeah. coffee. Loves, loves, loves. <laughs> and I never, you know, I didn't drink a cup until I was twenty-five, which is so wow. Late. <laughs> well, um, I'm more of a tea person on my own, but I'll drink coffee with him and. You know, you go through phases where you're, you're kind of addicted to it. So it's just like a thing you do. And I've definitely gone through phases of that. And then through phases of not having it at all. So what made you try coffee at that age? I was living in Nepal, actually. And my friend, who was kind of a coffee junkie, and I always studied with him. So I got into it with him. And it's funny, we used to do it. We used to have coffee at 10 p.m. and then study Sanskrit. <laughs> Wow. And do you remember that first feeling of, t of, of trying coffee? Yeah. Yes, I remember it being a strong stimulant and I still find it strong. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely can make life fun sometimes. And just to add, check out my website, which is mindfulthinkingat play.com to see how you can empower yourself in 2021 i have quite a few online courses there which you should definitely check out until next time <laughs>